We're waiting for the song. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're going that. This is an appropriate song for Mark's visit today. Of course. I just feel like financial boss walking through the door. This, this. Exactly. <laughs> I appreciate well, it, man. Let's fix it up. Well, I love the new studio, by the way. Well, first episode of the year, and of course, we're gonna bring in a special Mark Meek. Is it Mark Meek the third? No, it's the second. Second. So, but no one ever says Mark Meek the second. No. So it's the reason I'm not a junior is that in order to be a junior, you have to have the same middle name. And my dad gave me a different middle name, but we had the same first and last. So it becomes a the second. But then gotcha. once it gets another generation, if it's like the third or the fourth, it doesn't really matter. Makes a lot of sense. I think maybe we should just do a whole podcast episode on names and how they... No, I'm just checking. Absolutely. But if you're just jumping in right now, my name is Addy Net, and you are listening to MLO, number one real estate and mortgage podcast. And this is the first episode of 2022. And per tradition now, we bring in my good friend and trusted financial advisor, Mark Meek, who just explained why he is a second, not a junior. <laughs> Fun fact to start off the year. But... Yep. Mark is a trusted friend and my personal financial advisor. So I only bring in people that I'm usually doing business with that like I trust my own money investments with. But today we've put some time into thinking about how to provide some value here because it is unique situation of where we're at with a lot of new emerging markets, a super appreciated real estate um, market as well as inflation. We're seeing uh, wealth being spread out through different generations at a rapid pace, meaning like it's not just grandma and grandpa money anymore. Yep. Right. So today we're going to dive deep with Mark about some key things you need to do to protect yourself, make sure that you're properly set up for your family and your future. And I really encourage everyone to hang on because sometimes you might listen to this and be like, Addy, I'm turning off next episode. Like something this is a, no, no this is taken. important guys. Like, we can all do some amazing um, investments and maybe have huge equity positions and awesome financial structuring. But if it's not protected and you don't have a plan for the long-term game, it can crumble as quickly as it built up. Right, Mark? 100%. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I feel like the last couple of times we've been on here, it really was more offensive planning, retirement planning, investing, you know, where do we put money to make it grow? Um, and you know, just, I feel like to that point, you know, might be a little bit less exciting, but I, uh, I feel like I would almost be doing a disservice by not talking about, you know, some of the more defensive strategies, uh, you know, in regards to general financial planning. Well, just to attest to the subject line, I'm getting a lot of calls and these are people I'm turning 34 next month. I typically work with people between the age of 25 and 45 is my most common age yeah. bracket, right? But I'm getting a lot of 20 somethings reaching out being like, Hey, Eddie, do I need to get a will? Do I need to create a family trust? What do I do with my parents that now are maybe planning to move in with me because they can't afford to go buy their own house? Yep. That's happening quite a lot. A lot, a massive uptick. I think I was even, I read some article where there was like a 34% increase of millennials issuing wills in the last year. And it's not just because of the pandemic. That's a driver that, where yeah. people are scared, you know, of what things happen and they get sick, but also you're seeing, um, 
younger generations have a lot more cash at a younger age because the current working conditions and career opportunities, if you will, it's an even playing field. Like age isn't really yep. as much of a factor to your ability to have a high income job. Right, Mark? A hundred percent. Long and, way uh, of saying young people have money too now, it seems like. Absolutely. And, um, you know, to that point, right, nothing against young people. I mean, we both started in this industry in mm -hmm. our 20s. I mean, yep. um, and you kind of learn along the way. But uh, to that point, right, that that is one of the audiences that I would love to, to kind of speak through that, uh, you know, the, the f we kind of broke down three things that I think would be a good way to start the year. Three things to think about. Um, and, and the first one, to your point, is uh, auditing or creating an estate plan and you know putting you on the spot yeah you, you already kind of know a little bit but you know before we had met had some of these discussions you know when you were thinking about estate planning you know what what do you what do you think what do you think are the things that come to people's mind i imagine three people drinking tea at a country club <laughs> on a saturday Dude, that was <laughs> exactly right so and they're at least in their 70s yeah. maybe yeah and they've got some 1997 lexus that has 4,000 miles on it because it's their country club driver yep in pristine condition that's it pristine take it around yep. jimmy give it a wash while i go grab yep. brunch in the country club yep and uh so not to you know bring it in kind of a morbid note but not only for the reasons that you're talking about right coming into more wealth owning more property, actually having an estate that, you know, you need to list off your beneficiaries like, wow, this is a uh, quite a lot of stuff that I'm leaving to, to whomever it might be. Um, it really all starts with a will. And so that's something I really wanted to, to talk to people about and encourage them to, you know, either look at theirs, maybe explore this. If, if you are married, have a partner, have these types of conversations, because if there is one thing, I think this pandemic did show us, is how unprepared people really are when these types of tragic situations come up. And, uh, you know, no one ever thinks they're going to pass away. Well, you know, we know we all are, but we never think it's going to happen to us anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And uh, it can really ruin a life's savings, hard work, if you don't do the proper planning, passing it on to the next generation. So give me a little bit of context in... De define if you will like what's the difference between a will a trust and an estate plan because i think those are all kind of orbiting around the same planet of hmm, i should probably research that someday for most people correct and to that same point i'm going to give my normal disclosure i am not a tax advisor like last time so i'm not going to give you tax advice i'm not a licensed attorney so i'm not giving legal advice yeah, we got to say that disclaimer stuff, um, so everyone out there. Uh, in case my, my guy Brian's listening. But, um, you know, think about those three terms. The estate plan is just the concept itself, right? It's like, do you actually have a plan in place? If you do pass away, is there a plan in order of where your assets go? If you have kids, who's going to be the guardian? Uh, advanced medical directives, right? We never want to think about this stuff, but kind of those typical, gosh, dude, do we pull the plug or not type situations, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, in general, I would, you know, consider that part of your overall estate plan. Right. Who gets the house? What happens if I can't make decisions for myself because of a health hindrance? Exactly. Who's getting the money and what are the terms of that? Exactly. Okay. 
And, uh, you know, basic plan concept, that's a state plan. Correct. Okay. And, you know, just in case any, I'm sure there's some estate planning attorneys that might listen to this, be like, well, yeah, it's kind of right. But, you know, if we're really thinking about the difference between a will and a trust, um, most people, especially as they're starting out and we're talking about these younger people who are just coming into wealth, just starting to make these higher incomes, you know, a will is probably appropriate, right? Because there's, there's not a ton going on. Uh, you know, there, there's not like a 10 million plus dollar estate for the most part, uh, where like the federal taxes and the inheritance taxes start coming in. But, uh, really in the will, the, the, the main things are, you know, personally for me, uh, the guardianship of kids, Mm. right. That's something that not alone, just, you know, having those conversations in itself and figuring out with your partner, what's actually going to happen is, is difficult enough, but getting that into a legal document that will officially dictate that that's actually going to happen uh is, is it's a tough step right and i i've found that a lot of people really when especially when we have these conversations and we're thinking about it mm-hmm. it's at the forefront of our mind we don't you know we want to get this taken care of mm-hmm. but like you know when we hang up the headphones drive into the car to their next meetings just kind of it's gone you know yeah. so it's, it's like nobody like wakes up in the morning and is like i need to call my dentist exactly uh-huh. Well, unless other yeah. things to do. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so yeah, that, and the, the best thing I would say is contact in an attorney, you know, and, uh, or even just look, look on some articles on Google, just for some really basic, you know, what's a will, what's a trust. And, um, you know, a trust is a little bit more complicated. It allows you to avoid probate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, without getting too much into the weeds, it's also more expensive, way more expensive. I got a quote on one of those recently. Yeah. So what I had learned was, okay, if you've got a million dollars in assets or more, you likely should look into the trust route. Now, if your net worth is less than a million, a will will likely suffice until your assets grow and you have more under your belt, if you will. And trusts are really a good vehicle for guaranteeing intergenerational wealth. Right. You know, and, and making sure that you're doing what you can with like different life insurance strategies and, and different gifting strategies to get things out of your estate. So when you pass away, what's in your name is a lot less from a taxation standpoint. And there's shelters available mm-hmm. to make sure that instead of Uncle Sam. Yeah. Getting your, your family. Right. Your, your family is. And um, I was saying anywhere in the range, though, like. 3k to 5k on the high end just to get the ball rolling. I would say on. even 10k to if, if it's a really ones. complex yeah. estate plan. Versus a will, I think you could if you're using online sources, Ray, you could yeah. probably what would you say? I don't know. Yeah, and, and 500 dollars to 1000. I would say just an attorney probably anywhere from 8 800 bucks to maybe 1500 bucks depending on it. Now, right. don't quote me on that. Um, but there are to that point some really good online resources, you know, for someone that maybe even doesn't have a ton of assets yet, mm-hmm. but maybe just had a kid or just got married and, and wants to have these types of conversations and have this stuff written down. Um, I know this company called willsandtrust.com. Um, I, I met with a couple of their representatives in the past um, where essentially it's, you know, less of like a in-person come into the office, drink some coffee type of conversation. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a more simple fashion, it gets the job done. It creates the legal documents and you'll have everything dictated about what you want to happen with your life 
your possessions when you're no longer here. Well, and on the real estate side, there is a continued uptick in kind of modernized partnerships rather than their marriages. So when, I mean, that was a complicated way of saying a lot of people aren't getting married anymore. They like either don't believe it or they're kind of have a different philosophy, less traditional. That's a really good point. So when you've got joint ownership on homes and you don't have any sort of uh, legal document stating so-and-so gets this, those are things to think about. And a trust and a will can ensure that both you and your family or whatever you guys decide as a team, that the assets being you know inherited or passed down appropriately so it's fair or how you vision it. Yep. And that's a big tick as it's like, you know, when you're legally married, there's a lot of default ownership statuses Correct. on the the deed and title and how it gets handed down. But if you're not married, th- and say you've been, you know, paying the mortgage for X amount of years, but you did it under your partner's credit, yep. And then all of a sudden, and then their partner has kids, and like, wait, does who gets this? Like, what's going on here? And then you know, Uncle Jimmy comes around the bend when you pass yeah. away and it's like, uh, I'm next of kin. Yeah. It's like, I need some cash. Uh, so yeah, these are all things that people, you know, as things change and evolve and life changes, the more proactive we are, typically the less sad we are down the road. Correct. And I, I that's, you know, I, I don't want to talk about it too much because again, yeah. it's not very exciting, but honestly, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice by not bringing that up. And, um, you know, just encourage people just, you don't even need to go get this done right away, but I just have these conversations or think about this stuff. Um, and and it's not depressing, dude, like in a positive, here's a positive story. So there's a a veteran, a veteran who's entitled to the VA loan, amazing loan program, right? If you qualify for it, you could actually purchase a primary home at 0% down. That's fantastic. Right. And have a very competitive interest rate. Service members have earned that right. However, not all service members are getting married to my story uh, before. Yep. Legally, you can't purchase the home from a credit standpoint unless you're married. You can't just have like, oh, this is my boyfriend or my girlfriend or my partner or whatever it is. Right. So how would a team who has decided not to get married have joint ownership of a house if the VA loan requires only that single vet? A Prime trust example. would be a unique way to ensure that your partner has equal rights to the asset. So you purchase it under the name of the trust, and then down the road after close, you could actually go in and work with your attorney to adjust the declarations of the trust so that your partner has equal ownership and rights to that property. So there is exciting stuff, and there's different, I think that's probably the most amount of enthusiasm you're gonna get from any industry professional (laughs) about trusts and deed titling, but I I I think that's awesome. Absolutely. I think that's amazing. So let's slide to your next point, because you know, if you let me give my (laughs) leash too long, we're gonna get lost in the forest here. So we had, you know, building on an estate plan to start that conversation. You know, a lot of people have done a will, but it's been 10, five, 15 years. Refresh that baby. Yeah, we have to update our iPhones like every 60 days at least now. Yeah. So let's refresh, you know, where all your things are going. So to that next point, yep. right? And, um, you know, honestly, not, again, the most exciting topic to uh, to think about. But you bring the like facts, a, I'll bring the It's kind of like a workout, man. It sucks while you're doing it. <laughs> but when you're done, you feel good. But, um, you know, the way I would put it is, uh, again, audit 
or update your either your your group benefits through work or just your general risk management plan. And so quit one of the, the easiest things we'll talk about the exciting stuff first. Um, if you are a W2 employer, have any type of retirement mm-hmm. plan that's given to you, uh, double check your your matching, right? Like a, I would be you'd be shocked if you knew how many people we come across that, uh, you know, just have initial consultations, learn a little bit about what they're doing financially of people that don't even take advantage of free money that their employer is giving them through a, a 401k yeah. type of match. So, um, you know, so we would encourage go in, make sure you're maximizing that thing. Um, you know, might make sense to, to bump it up a little bit if you had a raise to kind of keep yourself, yep. uh, you know, saving more and more. Review um, your employer benefits. Yep. And like kind of really review them. And yeah. Make sure. Yeah. And going down like to the line by line, right? Make sure you got that dialed in. Audit your beneficiaries, not just on your 401k or whatever retirement plan you have, but even some of your group or your personally held life insurance policies. Um, you know, one of those things is, uh, you know, whether it was a bad relationship that, you know, or a divorce or these things that happen where maybe you had someone in mind as your beneficiary that you're no longer in contact with, or maybe there's a new person in your life that, uh, you know, a lot of times people that aren't married are like, oh yeah, my brother, my mom's my beneficiary. When they get married, they're so excited about the wedding and the honeymoon, they never go back in and change, change it, it to yeah. their spouse, right? And that creates a lot of problems when people pass away and they're like, whoa, wait a minute, mom's like getting this money. It could create some infighting of like, whoa, that's my husband's money. Like, oh, that's my son's money. I'm the beneficiary. You know, it, it could uh, create some unnecessary conflict. I'm glad you brought that up because tis the time of the year, right? This is a good time. Most people are a little bit slower in their their work. They're getting back into it. Take a couple hours to log in and check those boxes off. It seems like such, you know, low-hanging advice. Yeah. But you'd be surprised of the impact if missed. And especially with where the world's at now, you just never know. I mean, unfortunately, my father passed away two years ago. My grandfather passed away two months ago. And it's like... That stuff's real. Fortunately, there are a lot of great things set up to protect my mom. Yep. And if it weren't taken care of, financially, she'd be in a lot of trouble right now. So just taking it from a son who is trying to emotionally support their mother through hard times, like you want to take that time. The short 30, 60, 90 minutes investing to double check, you know, who your beneficiary is, making sure that maybe you do enroll in the employee offered uh, life insurance. That's another thing. I mean, 100%. You could at least get a hundred, $150,000. Just by checking a box. <laughs> by checking a box and they take a dollar out of your check. Yep. Because you're on a group term and that makes a big difference. Doesn't seem like anything now, but an extra hundred grand that could go in and, you know, set up your kid's college fund or at least one year of it. Yeah. I don't know how expensive college is now, but that yeah. all that stuff makes a big, and there's a lot of cost to passing away too. So those can yeah, cover final expenses, well. et cetera. I'm kind of sorry. I interrupted you. No, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head and I, you bring up some good points of, you know, how easy it is to, to just once, once a year, just go in and do it, but just, life happens people are busy and they don't spend the time to do it um on that same note probably Mm -hmm. the most important one 
that I have, you know, more than anything, just the experience being in this career for a decade now, mm -hmm. you know, cause when people think of a financial planner, wealth management advisor, people, you know, kind of think of like a stockbroker type, like selling investments, like managing portfolios, you know, but half of the yeah. work we do really is geared around the estate planning, risk management planning, insurance planning to protect all of the stuff that you're building. And I do think people like hear financial advisor and like they instantly imagine, you know, the New York stock exchange, exactly. like you're rolling in on a Mercedes and day trading and like <laughs> exactly. your cousin comes up Coffees and for hand. closers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, you know, the long lost cousins bringing you an envelope of 10 grand and it's like, Mark, I need you to double this today. That's exactly. not what you do. Yeah, and I mean, it's that kind of behavior has been kind of dying since the, the early 90s, but it's still a stigma that is here. And you know, honestly, I don't know how I would fare in that type of transactionary environment. But, you know, most financial advisors are relationship driven now. No one wants to be sold to and no one wants to be have products or stocks shoved down their throat, in my opinion. I was literally just describing a movie uh, called Quicksilver with Kevin Bacon in it with a bag of money <laughs> he literally goes in he is like a retired day trader and then moves to like being a, a bicycle delivery guy and then his family needs them to double this money to like cure this problem they have so he starts getting back into it and it's just like yeah anyway so 100 percent, right it's like there's always that, that misconception yeah. right but so, you're, you're sitting down and it's like hey let's look at this as a big picture here you know we have yeah, Patty, we might have one, two properties. You're looking to buy another one. This have you maxed out? You know your retirement is that settled? Where's your money going? Is your partner covered if you pass away? Yep. And figuring out all these little boxes like a Lego piece, I'm putting them together for people, right? Yep. And two things because I don't want to leave out our self-employed business owners because. They might be watching this like, oh, it must be nice to have a benefits package. I wonder what that's like, you know? Yeah, and then they turn <laughs> off the episode. Exactly. So uh, we'll get to that in a second, but probably the most important benefit that you can audit is your LTD, stands for long-term disability. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that people, uh, you know, they think of long-term disability or just disability insurance in general. They think of like the Aflac duck. You know, kind of similar okay. side of the equation, yeah. right? Uh, selling stocks and selling insurance over here, right? We want to bring it back to the middle, you know, from a planning standpoint. But a lot of people think like, oh, I've got disability insurance through work. You know, if I'm out for a period of time, like they'll cover it. But in reality, a lot of people don't know that most group plans will max out at 60% of their income. And it's not forever. No, it... it well, the good plans end at your normal retirement age. Okay. So you know, that would obviously not be ideal because you'd be permanently disabled. Mm -hmm. um, but what you really don't think about is like, yeah, that 40%, I mean, that's a pretty big gap. Uh, a lot of people will either buy up supplemental plans through their employer. Uh, you know, candidly, most people, especially higher income earners, will go secure a private policy that's more custom tailored to their situation to kind of stack on top of it, especially if they move employers and there's a little bit of a gap. But 60%, man. Yeah, and, and the, the worst part about it, especially if you know most good employers will pay that for the employee, and because they're doing that as a benefit, the employee, once they get that 60% benefit and start collecting it, it's gonna be taxable to them because right. they didn't fund it with after-tax dollars 
their employer did who took it as a business deduction, right? Yeah. So you can't just be like, oh, I'll be all right on 60 because you're going to lose another quarter of that probably. 100%. Yep. And if you're maxed out at your household overhead operating expenses, that might not cover cover the bills. Exactly. So we're going to go, you're going to go in and check that the disability insurances in case something happens. And yep. I worry about this a lot. I mean, I'm relatively young, but it's like, man, especially if you're a single um, bread earning household, what happens? Yeah. If you don't have a wheel cranker. And honestly, that's the the toughest part to conceptualize is those young people like, well, I'm invisible. If I'm if I'm hurt, like people in our work where we're not necessarily like doing manual labor of like, oh, I could be do whatever I want. And, you know, I could still be injured or sick and work. But it's like, right. dude, think about the last time you even had the flu. Like, do you really think you're going to be your best self in front of your clients and be able to Absolutely. do everything? What if it's something more serious? And yeah. You know, a good way to put it, right, is like, hey, if if you were, let's just pretend you make ten grand a month or something, like, yeah, hundred grand a year. Um, hey, if if you had a machine in your living room just printing out ten grand a month forever, or at least mm -hmm. until you're sixty five, do you want to make sure that if it stopped working, there's some kind of policy in place that we can fix it and keep printing that cash? Yeah, where do I get one of those? Exactly. So, but that's the thing. It's like, man, like a lot of our younger clients, their biggest asset is them. It's their ability to produce income over a long period of time at a high level. Yeah. And people are just so weirded out about like, oh, disability insurance. Like it, but it, it's really, it's like, hey, we, we, we spend money insuring our car. Yep. That's maybe a 30000 $50,000, you know, property. Yeah. Just put money on it. We spend uh, insurance on our phone. You know, our, our income is by far a vast larger number than that. And candidly, most disability policies are cheaper than auto insurance. I never even thought about it looking at that perspective. And I love the car because and everyone can relate to that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, thirty to $50,000 asset. We're spending 100 to maybe 185 depending on your driving record per <laughs> month. Correct. Per month. Yep. So almost two grand a year to protect a $50,000 asset. When you're looking at a human who's going to make multiple million dollars over decades. Correct. And we don't want to insure that machine. Correct. And it just takes practice. So you're likely feeling overwhelmed or exhausted or tired of the content, but take baby steps. Yeah. And take these like little analogies and stories and just for, like encourage your brain to think about it a little bit differently. And oh, I think a lot of people too get stuck. It's like, well, I just don't need another thing. Right. Yep. But honestly, ensuring the number one driver of your income yourself is extremely important. And let me make this clear. I make zero money off of insurance. Yeah. I'm not telling <laughs> you to go buy it from me. Yet. Like I don't even do insurance. So I find that to be a very effective mindset exercise Correct. to think about. That. I mean, the phone's another thing. It's like, oh, 10 bucks a month yeah. to cover my, my iPhone that's yeah. worth twelve hundred dollars yeah it's like dude what are we that's doing 120 here? bucks a year like really but look at a million look at yourself as a multi-million dollar asset let's i'll cap it at that 100 percent. and um you know going back to the business owners yeah. right because i don't want to leave them out you know take these same concepts and and implement them on your own right if, if you don't have a 401k plan i would encourage you to look into a like a sep ira yep um and and do something where you could put money in and, you know, defer some of your income for tax purposes, build some retirement assets. Um, you know, but even that's the tough part is that 
a lot of people get introduced to life insurance and disability through their group and then they start looking at it like, oh, you know, I don't know if that's sufficient. We may want to look at this more. If that's not just kind of put in front of your face, Mm -hmm. it's hard to think about. And let's be honest, entrepreneurs already have plenty of other things on a daily basis that are going to put that above the totem pole. And so, you know, these are all things as well that you can, you can leverage some really cool business tax strategies by setting this stuff up for your own, even if you're just a sole proprietor. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd encourage people to really explore this kind of stuff. And, you know, especially like if you're a partnership, so not to get off on a tangent here, but Mm -hmm. let's say you and I own an ice cream truck and it's worth a hundred thousand dollars, right? Really simple math here again. We definitely would want to make sure from like kind of an estate risk management standpoint, planning standpoint that if one of us passed away, right, we're both married. We both married up by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll make sure our wives are taken care of. And if, you know, so let's say I pass away. Yeah. Polly now is the 50% owner of the ice cream business because my estate goes to her. Right. You probably don't want to be business partners with Polly. She probably doesn't want to make ice cream. Mm. So you would have to figure out a way to come up with 50 grand to buy her out. out. Right. Same thing with you. Yeah. Right. So things like that of like, hey, we better have the business pay a, you know, $50,000 insurance policy. So that way, if one of us goes down, boom, there's a tax free influx of cash. Scratch that check over to the other party, buy them out without being detrimental to the business. That's a good story. Yeah. So, I mean, we'd probably kill it at the ice cream game, let's be honest, but. I don't know. I first thing we would do in that business is move it to a sunnier part of America because <laughs> up here it's too rainy. That's true. And there's a lot of lactose intolerant people in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd have to be like gluten-free soy ice cream or something, man. But but that's a good point. Like people don't think about that stuff. Yeah. And now until it's time. too late, honestly. Until it's too late. Yeah. And, and then they regret it. And so, you know, I know we're, we're getting pretty close to time here. Hit I promise I'm going to come back with some really exciting topics later. No, on we're going to extend. Let's keep going. Cause we got to hit our bullets. Perfect. I want to hear about, cause you talked about short-term disability, you know, at least go through your employee benefits and make sure that everything you're taking advantage of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're self-employed, I love that, especially with, you know, we got to file our taxes here again, right? If you're self-employed, get with your, get with the tax accountant, get with a financial advisor and yep. strategically structure your taxes so that you're contributing to some sort of self-directed retirement Mm -hmm. because the big beneficiary there is the reduced taxable income. The more and more clients I do mortgages for Mark, I learned that, you know, it's not necessarily that rich or wealthy people made one big stock pick. Like it's not that they chose Apple in 1987 and that's why everything in most of the time people that have had money for a really long time are, effectively crafting their taxes so that they're not paying as much. They're mm-hmm. investing it. They're building other vehicles to drive more income. And Leveraging support. low interest rates. Leveraging low interest rates. Thank you. That was good alley-oop there. So the tax game is super important. And when you're self-employed, you do want to cohesively work with your mortgage advisor, financial advisor, tax accountant, so that you 
are netting as much as possible, but also not anchoring your ability to navigate through other investments. Cause Correct. you can also wash out your buying power in the real estate world. Yep. You're like, Hey, right I made zero it. money, zero taxes, but you really did. And now you're not going to be able to hook them up with some financing. That happens all the time. And when I, you know, friends, clients, anyone that's self-employed, we are constantly checking in where it's like, Hey, where are you at? <laughs> exactly. Any, we kind of got to keep an eye on the write-offs. Yep. So there might be years that someone's like, oh, I'm going to buy a house in the next five years. Oh, well, let's put a little yellow flag on this so that we're not overriding or depreciating so that we can demonstrate yep. some qualifying income. But Short term pain for long term gain on that for sure. Absolutely. And did you have it on your list to chime in on the life insurance piece real quick or no? We're yeah. Um, you know, honestly, really, that's. Uh, that's, I'd say part of the estate plan as well. You know, okay. I think disability is a good, just focus that I think people are a little bit less familiar with, but yeah, life insurance as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of different rules of thumb out there, like 10 times your income or mm. whatnot. You know, honestly, I'm not a believer in that. I, you know, try and follow the board of certified financial planning curriculum as a fiduciary. And, you know, everyone is, everyone's got their own unique scenario, mm -hmm. right? Everyone's got unique needs, desires, um, so what I would say is whether it's an insurance agent or your state farm agent or a financial advisor, um, you know, take a look at that number mm -hmm. that you have. If, if, you know, something happened to you and you went down, uh, whether it's through your work or you have an individual policy or both yeah. and just kind of audit that on a once or twice a year basis. And like, Hey, um, is this enough? Is this too much? Am I overinsured? Right. I see that sometimes too. Mm. Uh, and where there, that's money that could be going in more efficient places. Um, so I would say if anyone either got married, purchased additional property, yeah. had any type of kid, got into some kind of relationship where they're blending finances, you definitely don't want to leave the other spouse in a, in a bad spot. Kind of similar right. from the business ice cream truck standpoint. Yeah. Right? Well, and I, t whenever you and I have our, you know, touch base calls, I think I say it all the time is like, I just want from a life insurance standpoint, it's like, I want everything we owe to be covered yep. and some. So I'm looking at, you know, house one, house two, what's left on those mortgages, right? Yep. If we have this and that, do I have enough coverage so that if I pass away, those can be paid off and now they're true assets, which yep. opens up a ton of options from there for a spouse yeah. versus inheriting a ton of debt. And I'll tell you, 100%. like, if it wasn't for my dad when he passed away a couple of years ago, if he didn't have his life insurance policies dialed in for my mom, it'd be a different story for her because she was able to not have. And let's uh, also not forget it was the pandemic. So my True. mom lost her husband, lost her 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 own job. She had her own business, completely went on pause. So what can you do if it weren't for the life insurance that uh, that gave just so many options for her to just focus on her own mental stability, her grieving. Um, and you know, we could sell the house. We yep. got her into a new house that was more appropriate for her diversify those funds so that there's not a pressure to, you know, produce income. It's just a, it's a sad story, but at the same time, I'm so grateful he did that. Correct. Right. And I don't hear that. I hear more of the sad stories and than the prepared stories. So that's a big one for me. 
Yep. And honestly, it's honestly the most difficult part of my job as well, because it's something we should address first and it's not what people want to do. Yeah. So I, it's a it's a tough way to, you know, it's kind of like eating your vegetables. It's like you got to do this. Like before we do anything else, what's the point of having this elaborate retirement distribution plan if your income and your assets aren't protected. I mean, I like they eat the vegetables because my wife says like eat salad. You need to take the salad. There you go. They plates full. And and honestly, to that point, kind of tying the estate planning and the life insurance together, you know, hear that phrase, the wealthy get wealthier. Mm-hmm. I mean, in intergenerational wealth, it really is funded through trust and massive life insurance planning. And taking the time to structure it accordingly. Yep. That's a big, big slider. What was next on that list? Because I want to make sure we're driving through the points we promised. Yeah, that was uh, pretty much it for that part two, right? Yeah. Which is a pretty long part, which was, hey, audit your employee benefits and overall risk management plan, yeah. mm-hmm. beneficiaries, insurance coverages, you know, just making sure it's the right amount, making mm-hmm. sure that, honestly, I would say a win would be make sure you even know what you have because yeah. uh, a lot of people couldn't even tell you. They're like, hey, what's your group benefit? What's your percentage? What's your what's your life insurance? What's your match? Like, people are like, oh, I don't know. I check that box and kind of show up to work now. Yeah, yeah, go through all that. And what was the third bullet we were going to? Yeah, the third bullet, uh, and it's, it's a really short one, um, but I don't know about you, but uh, I procrastinate sometimes when I'm faced with something that's either daunting or that I just want to avoid. Mm-hmm. And Travis, Nikki, my team, like, they will know that for a fact. Um, so to kind of end it on a more exciting note, one of the things that I have found really helpful at the beginning of a year, especially if people have a big, big thing on their mind, whether it's like, this is the year I'm getting out of credit card debt, Mm. or this is the year I'm finally getting that down payment. Addy's going to hook me up with a loan. We're going to get our house. Like whatever it might be, um, saving for college, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say cancel out the noise come up with a plan to prioritize a majority of your your discretionary cash flow as part of your financial plan towards that and and do it consistently. Um, what I find is that when there's we come in and meet with clients like, oh yeah, I want to talk about retirement planning, I want to talk about this, but ooh, you know this debt or building up my cash reserve is you know something that is also important, you know, but I, I was kind of avoiding that because you know, I know if I don't do this other stuff, it's just going to perpetually stick in your head and it becomes more emotional Mm. than anything. And what I find is that if people don't just identify that one kind of theme for the year of like, Hey, when it all boils down to it, if I'm sitting here January 1st of 2023, Mm -hmm. like what's the one thing that you're going to feel the most proud of accomplishing financially, you got to prioritize that and you got to have a 12 month plan around it. So what I'm hearing is Get your oil changed on your finances. Like go through and, you know, go through, check off all the boxes. The debt is a big one. I'm going to tell you right now, like, I think we're going to see one of the biggest exposed consumer debt eras this year than we've seen in many, many years. Why? How do you justify that, Eddie? Well, you saw credit liability balances decrease since the pandemic. And why? Because we physically couldn't go out and spend money. We were limited to the internet. So we talked were, about that last year. Yeah, I remember less sporting events, if any, concerts, gas, all these like consumer travel, spending. especially yeah. travel. And 
what has happened too is a lot of people have gotten more consumer credit limits that like they've increased. Yep. So that's scary. Because income's going up, cash balances have gone up. So American Express, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, they're like, great, let's increase your limits. I'm seeing that you're heavy in cash. They're that, thriving right now. They're thriving. <laughs> so it's less of a risk. So now those will get stacked up. Christmas comes around. You justify overspending Christmas because it's just the holidays. You want to spoil your kids. That's what you do. But it was a great year for a lot of people. Exactly. Plus, it was the pandemic. So we need to make sure the kids are happy. So then it rolls over. Now we're seeing the feds announce an increase in interest rates. The fed creates the baseline to the top end or the bottom end, depending on how you look at it, us, the consumer who it mm -hmm. hits, what we pay in interest. They now have said, okay, we're going to no longer stimulate this, <laughs> this fantasy land and get back to something that's a better pace. Yep. Right? So eventually credit card interest rates are going to go up. Mortgage interest rates are going to go up. So all this debt that we have now is going to be more expensive for us. Yep. So figure it out. And you if, brought up inflation too. Yeah. That makes debt a little bit more manageable, honestly, because mm -hmm. it's going to drive up your stocks, your, your mutual fund portfolios, your real estate, your incomes while your debt, you know, is, you know, hopefully getting chunked down. You gotta so, yeah, have a realistic plan with that. Your, your boat needs to make sure it has no holes in it and over overstacked liabilities and consumer debt are holes in that boat. And I think, you know, talking to a lot of people looking to buy a home every single day. I hear a lot of this. They're super focused on finding the next beautiful wind sail to take their boat to the finish line when the boat's got four holes in it. Yep. Which is like $20,000 of credit debt or a really bad, you know, I might, I might steal that analogy next time I'm trying to communicate that to someone. That's a, that's a good way to put it. It is like, why would you focus on getting a bigger sale when you've got a hole in your boat? So to bring it down and Man, that, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. I think it paints a great picture and, and I only get enthusiastic about it and passionate and scream because these are the conversations I have with myself January because yep. to me spring, summer, and then up to Labor Day, it's always busy. It's just, it's real estate time, right? It's oh, blah, blah, yep. blah, blah, blah. It it's family. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. This is my opportunity to look in the mirror. So I'm looking at all my my personal spending. Okay, what did I sign up for? That's a monthly cost to me. Oh, six ninety nine a month. I don't even know what that is anymore. Exactly. When was the last time we used Apple TV? You know, like it's so hard to make six ninety nine a month picking the right stock. That's a hundred dollars a share. Like that's a seven percent increase. That's hard to do in a 30 day span. No but kidding. Don't forget Abraham Lincoln said, "A penny saved is a penny earned." That's why he's on the penny. That was Abraham Lincoln, right? I think Abe's on the penny, right? Because George is on the quarter. The no, no, Abe's on the penny. We're good. We'll have to, I haven't seen a penny for years, man. <laughs> I can't believe we're saying that. I haven't seen a penny in you. It's true. It's true. I guess. Too it's many like, people what can you buy with a penny? Well, Mark, I, I, I really love that we went through the will the estate planning, kind of some trust stuff, because it is an uptick out there. A lot of people are wondering. And and it's not even part of my business, but it's something totally. that if I'm doing my business appropriately with my clients, that they're taken care of. And it's never an easy thing to bring up. It really, it's never a good time. It's never this, but I think the more you think about it and Google it and research it, and then maybe have a consult and build out a plan, it, it turns from meh to like, 
I feel really good that we have a plan in place. Just like everything else, fear and procrastination, when you face right. it, it's never as bad as it is, as, as you actually think it was going to be. Totally. Take the better night's sleep, right? There you go. 100%. Well, how would people get a hold of you if they were looking for a financial advisor? I mean, I can attest to the fact that I, me and my wife has used you as a team. Yeah. We've been very satisfied with your guidance, your patience mostly. I appreciate we're that. We're not easy. We're, we're, <laughs> we're pretty demanding people, but how would someone get a hold of you and your team? Yeah. Um, I would say the easiest way, um, our website is www.mark-meek.com because my father took, uh, took the markmeek.com. We started with the names. Yep. Now, now we're ending with the names. So, uh, but honestly, uh, I wouldn't even mind shoot me a text. My, my number is 503 503- Three one nine four one five five. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, put too, that in the notes. Like I'm, uh, I've got a little bit of ADD, so I like getting those random texts. And uh, usually, I get a, a lot of uh, good feedback and some random reach outs after these shows. So I look, uh, I'm either gonna just not hear from anyone again because the content was so dry. But I actually think uh, it was really good to go over this stuff, and especially in a kind of a public type of setting to be able to. Um, you know, proclaim that this stuff's important, even though I don't really do a lot of it, just like you, right? right. You, you know, this stuff's important as well, but it has nothing to do with your bottom line at the end of the day. Yeah, but, but I, it I, takes care of our people. Yeah, and I love talking about this stuff because it's things that I'm working on at my age, and then I get to share and have episodes like these. So if, if you're trying to get a hold of Mark, I encourage you to do so, even if it's just an intro call. And if you want me to make that intro call, you know I'm always here. We have the VIP line, or you can hit me up on uh, you know, com. I appreciate everyone out there, too, that's been uh, DMing me on Instagram or sending me messages on Facebook. I do appreciate that. I want to note that. Find me on any social platform, net. And to conclude, everybody, we appreciate you listening today, and you've been tuning in to M-L-O. And Mark actually said it with me. I love that. Until next time, everyone, we're going to catch you later. Peace.